Welcome to Tea Time with Sue. On this episode, University President Sue Thomas talks with Jonathan Beaker, Assistant Vice President for Student Success and Institutional Effectiveness. Jonathan is a Truman alumnus and originally planned for a career in music. Sue and Jonathan discuss his journey to a career in academia and some of the resources Truman students have available to help reach their full potential. Let's jump into the conversation. So Jonathan, thank you. It is super cool to have you as my first guest on season two of Tea Time with Sue. And you know, I think you represent so many cool, fabulous things about Truman, right? You're an alum, you have progressed through and had an amazing impact in lots of ways here at Truman. So I thought I'm gonna let you tell everybody who you are, give your name, give all of the titles you've had, all the work you've done here to start, because I think it's a really cool story. Well, thanks, President Thomas. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm yeah, I appreciate the invite and happy to have this conversation. So, yeah, let's see here. So, um, evidently, I've been at Truman for ten years now. It seems hard to believe, but um, I uh, well, I guess I started here as a student in 2003, and I got a, a music degree left for grad school, and then came back in 2012 uh, and, and started working in the academic advising department, the Center for Academic Excellence. So what brought you back? Yeah, well, so uh, it's kind of a long story, so I'll, I'll keep it uh, you know, fairly <laughs> fairly compact here. Um, so I had uh, gone to grad school for music performance, and I was mm-hmm. planning to go get my DMA, my doctorate in music, and become a college trumpet professor. And unfortunately, I had a series of like, uh, I'm a trumpet player, obviously, you probably inferred that. Um, I had a series of lip injuries that sort of prevented me from kind of going to that that last step. And so I finished my graduate degree in music performance and I was teaching and playing, um, but it was becoming clear that probably music uh, wasn't going to be the long-term career. And so at the time, uh, my wife and I, this was like 2012, we were starting to think about, you know, the having a family stage of life and... And uh, we're all, you know, our families are all from this, er, from Missouri. Her family is from Macon. And so we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the time where I'd gone to grad school. And she applied for some high school teaching jobs in Missouri. And uh, the one she got, uh, the one that ended up being the best fit anyway, was in uh, Macon, Missouri. So, you know, close. four years, yeah, close. <laughs> four years after leaving Kirksville, you know, thinking, um, you know, I'd probably never live here again, uh, found ourselves moving back to the area. And, uh, you know, performing as a musician is not an option in Kirksville as far as, you know, not a big enough population base. So sure. applied for the advising job and it worked out. So what attracted you to, to advising? You know, t- to be perfectly honest at the time, um, I I was attracted to the idea of a connection with students. Mm-hmm. You know, I had had some college teaching experience as a GA and as an adjunct. Um, and I thought, okay, you know, I could, advising, you know, still has that connection with students. I can figure out how to do that. That, you know, at the time it was mostly just, I would like a job of some kind, you know, <laughs> sure, ideally sure, one that's sure. intellectual and that's in higher ed. So um, I really grew to love the job after getting it. I didn't know a whole lot about it beforehand. Okay. So we get you home. Yes. You're an academic advisor. Right. But you're not currently an academic advisor. So what happened between then and now? Yeah. So, uh, you know, to again, to keep a long story fairly short, you know, uh, for seven years, uh, was in, in, a, in an advising role and, um, you know, I had a had it in my head that I wanted to, to look for opportunities and to, you know, to advance my, my career and to, to learn how to lead uh, if possible. And so I uh, took on committee roles, uh, was on staff council, just looked for opportunities to, to serve the university, basically. Um, and in 2019, I was very fortunate. Uh, there was a, a job uh, that was created, the director of retention position. Um, applied for that, prepped up really hard for that, and um, was fortunate to get it. 
Um, and then that was uh, expanded a little bit later to include uh, academic advising. And then just a few months ago, uh, moved into my, my current role, which is uh, assistant vice president for uh, student success and institutional effectiveness. Okay, so tell me, tell us what that means. Yeah, yeah. I know what that means. Tell everybody else <laughs> what that means. Yeah, so I think of the job as having sort of two halves. Um, so the, the student success half includes, uh, you know, Center for Academic Excellence, so first year advising, writing center, um, Office of Disability uh, Services and Student Access. So, you know, making sure that our students have the resources that they need uh, to be successful academically, but just in general. Mm -hmm. And the other half is institutional effectiveness. So uh, institutional research, you know, um, data wrangling and data analysis, but also, you know, asking more fundamental questions or really supporting people who are asking more fundamental questions about um, how do we know if we're being successful mm -hmm. with what we're trying to do at Truman and the various, all the various things we do. Um, so I'm newer to that world for sure, and I'm, I'm finding my feet, um, but that's kind of how I think about the position. And you're working on a doctorate as well, right? Yeah, I didn't have enough to do, so I decided <laughs> to start a PhD, yeah. Okay, so let me talk about that because, sure. right, you are all jammed up with all kinds of things, a new job, tons of responsibilities, lots of focus. You're also doing a PhD. So you're kind of the typical Truman student still <laughs> in some ways, So, but you're in a place to be able to talk about how to manage all that. So what would you say to our typical Truman students in terms of balancing a whole bunch of things, how to ask for help, how to make sure they're doing and make, achieving their own success here, not getting overwhelmed, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think it's one that's, it's, uh, each person sort of has to kind of go through their own journey on that. Um, what has worked for me, and it's something, I mean, I, to be on transparent, I still struggle with it. I tend to to say yes before and no, and sometimes I have to walk back and say, okay, I'm going to have to cut some things out. Um, but in general, I think being as clear as you can about where you want to go and what, you know, what it is you like to do as you get older, uh, you know, as you work through your college, your college years, you get a clearer picture of who you are. Um, but what works really, really well for me, and this might be sort of based on personality uh, and traits like that, um, is... Uh, I use a productivity system called Getting Things Done. Um, it's a sort of a methodology. Um, I try to make sure everything I have to do is written down somewhere and tracked somewhere, and that allows me to sort of, even if there's a lot on my plate, know that it's sort of handled. So I don't think that particular approach is all that important. You don't have to use Getting sure. Things Done, but um, what I would uh, urge college students to do is to figure out, you know, figure out a system for managing your own life and um, really s try to stick to that. Uh, you know, do your best to stick to that, um, and expect that it'll iterate, it'll change as you as you mature. But that's so. Where yeah. do they get help for that? If they're struggling on, okay, yeah, I want to figure that all out, but I have no idea where to start. Where do they start? Yeah, great question. Uh, so there are a number of uh, sort of departments on campus that that can help with that. Uh, university counseling services; those folks are often you know familiar with you know how to how to help you get organized to some degree. Um, the Career Center does a lot of that kind of work. Uh, an area that I work with, the Center for Academic Excellence, we uh, first-year advising is the biggest piece of what we do, but we've mm -hmm. also, in the past couple of years, really expanded our services to second, third, fourth, uh, even fifth and graduate uh, students as well, fifth-year and graduate students. Um, and the folks in that area can absolutely sort of help you look at, okay, you've got this much to do, here are the due dates, let's make a plan, let's write it down, let's put you back in, in the driver's seat. And, you know, it can be hard to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for a lot of us even, you know, out after college. 
the way I like to think about it is um, it's better to think, instead of thinking of asking for help as asking for help, think about it as getting a coach. So if you think about it, it can be difficult to ask for help, but in fields where coaching is the norm, like athletics, um, music performance, music, right. people at even um, you know executive leadership, folks at the very highest levels of those fields have coaches. Michael Jordan had a coach. Tiger Woods mm -hmm. had a coach, right? Um, Serena Williams has a coach. And so if you think about it that way, you know, we can all use a little bit of coaching. And so if you can sort of pivot from thinking of, oh, there's some, I'm not doing a good job or there's something wrong with me, I need help to fix this, I need you know, remediation to fix my flaws, and think about it in terms of, you know, I just need somebody to objectively help me um, look at where I can improve. It can be a whole different ballgame. So I, I think that's a really good analogy. I think that's a really important mind shift to think about it. So should students start with talking to their own advisors about that? Should they search out some of the other areas that you talked about? If they want to take that first sure. initial step, that first baby step in moving forward, where's the best place for them to start? Yeah, so I, I think that that depends. I think, you know, if you're, whether you're a first-year student or a, a, an older student, if you have a good sort of relationship with your advisor where you feel like that's something that you could ask them and you know them pretty well, I think that's a great place to start. Um, if, on the other hand, maybe you have a new advisor this year or, you know, this is not something you feel like you're comfortable bringing up with your advisor, you can always go to the Center for Academic Excellence, first floor of the library. Uh, we take walk-ins from, uh, I think, 8.30 to 4.30 weekdays. So you can just walk in um, and you can just ask to talk to whoever the advisor on duty is, and they'll be more than happy to sort of start you down this path. Cool. And so... Most students think about CAE just for first-year students, right. but you said you're now doing a whole lot with other students. Yes. Can you talk about that just a little bit so students have a sense of what you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, we find that for, uh, for you know, non-first-year students, um, you know, sometimes they have a really good handle on sort of their graduation requirements and can this class double count for this requirement if I'm under this catalog and all of those sort of really wonky technical mm -hmm. things that we need to be keeping track of. Um, and some students don't have as great a handle on that, or they could use some help. Um, in addition, you know, if you're a, a non-first-year student and you, maybe you're not so sure about your major, um, you may have a faculty advisor where you feel like that's a question you can bring to them. Mm -hmm. But we know that, you know, sometimes students feel like, well, I can't ask my, my, my faculty advisor if I'm in the right major because they're going to feel like, sure. of course, they, they right, probably right, would be right. glad to help, right? <laughs> but sometimes right. having a professional advisor who is really, you know, truly impartial and can help you take an objective look at your situation can be really helpful. So we, we do a lot of stuff from, again, you know, technical questions about classes counting and the most efficient path to graduation to much more philosophical, bigger picture questions like, is this a good major for me? Um, what possible careers could I pursue with a, with a degree like this? What grad school options might be a good fit? That kind of thing. Well, I think you raise a really important point that you can't offend people by asking these questions. Right. So you, if you're in one discipline, but you're not sure that works for you, that faculty in that discipline will be happy to talk with you. And so you don't have to worry about offending people or right. making them upset because you want to think about something different. Yeah, they want what's best for you. You know, if that's in their area, great. And if it's not, they're going to be happy to help you, you know, move down your, your path wherever it leads you. So if you had one piece of advice, two pieces of advice for students on how to get from entering the door through launching out of here into the next really cool part of the phase of their lives. What would you say to them? Yeah, so 
a piece of advice that somebody gave me once that has uh, proven really helpful for me is find somebody who's a couple steps ahead of you on the trail, on the path you want to be walking, and ask them for advice, do what they did. You know, sometimes if you're thinking about somebody who's, you know, way ahead of you, the world has changed or they're far along enough that they don't remember what it's like to be in your shoes. Um, but, you know, if you're a thing about going to graduate school or you're looking for a job when you graduate in a particular company, there's probably somebody who, you know, who could help you move down that path. The Career Center can help you connect mm -hmm. with somebody. Um, so having a plan for, for most people, I think, brings a level of a feeling of control. Um, and so I, I think whatever it takes for you to, you know, to get a plan in place and to have a sort of an endpoint in place before that, it, it's energy that's well spent. Um, and, and if you're thinking, well, okay, well, that all sounds great, but I don't know how to even start that process. Again, right. I, I think, a, you know, a session with a CAE advisor can really help you um, put those, just those first steps in place so that you feel like you know where to start. Cool. Okay. So for those of us in administration, sometimes people don't think that we do anything outside of these jobs. <laughs> so I want to circle back around. Tell me a little bit about Trumpet, because while you couldn't go on to be a Trumpet faculty member and um, do those kinds mm -hmm. of things, you have managed to be able to perform in Kirksville yeah. and do other things with the Trumpet. Well, I've been uh, extraordinarily lucky uh, to find a lot of performance opportunities in, in, a, in an area that does not have a huge population. Um, so yeah, I had the, I'll sort of just tie up the, the story from earlier. Uh, the lip injury ended up uh, having a, experiencing a rupture of the orbicularis oris for you anatomy nerds. That's the muscle that encircles the <laughs> mouth. Um, so I had that surgically repaired in oh, wow. 2011 and uh, took about three years to sort of recover my playing abilities, but um, I have managed to do so. And now it's been over 10 years now. So. You know, playing at the level I was playing at, especially if I have some time to, to practice. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I'm very lucky to I play, I play with a local band called Deadwood, mm -hmm. which is about a half uh, Truman faculty or retired Truman faculty now. Uh, play some uh, keyboard, uh, trumpet, guitar, a little bit of background vocals with them. And in addition, um, every now and then, the occasional wedding gig will uh, find we'll its way up. to me. Yeah, <laughs> pop up, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's... It's interesting, you know, even in a, a an area that's not a huge city, if you meet people and you make connections and you, you know, from a musician standpoint, if you kind of get your name out there and make it clear that you're looking for chances to perform, mm -hmm. there are chances to perform. So for me, it's a huge stress reliever. Well, and you know, you left one part out that I know where you also play, and that's bell ringing for the Salvation Army. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with, uh, with COVID, I haven't done that in the last year or so, but... Uh, yeah, sometimes, uh, yeah, President Thomas and I have uh, sort of, uh, yeah, done some bell ringing together. I'll play yeah. Christmas carols and uh, seems to increase donations. Yes. So. <laughs> Even when it's super cold outside. Yeah. You have a good mouthpiece to Plastic be able to manage mouthpieces. that. Plastic mouthpieces. Yes. That's where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap back around again because yeah, you talked yeah. about family, right? Yes. And yes. you talked about what well, was time thinking about starting a family. And you have a lovely family. You want to talk a little bit about them? Sure. So uh, my, my wife, uh, Sarah, is also a Truman alum, and uh, she is uh, currently a grant writer at AT Still, so uh, just, just down the street. Um, and we have two, uh, two daughters who are growing. All those parenting cliches are true. They, they grow up so quick. It's crazy. We have now uh, an almost six-year-old. If I say she's five, she will correct me. No, I'm five I'm sure. and three-quarters. <laughs> thank you very much. And a three-year-old. So, uh, yeah, we're right in the thick of it right now. 
really fun years trying to be in the moment and absorb these moments because I know, you know, they don't last forever. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Our house is a zoo. Yes, I saw your almost six-year-old watching the Statesman on the quad. Oh, yes. And was yes. super excited, super excited about watching them play. She's really into marching band. Yeah, yeah I think we might have, have a band member on our hands in oh, a few years. Very, well, what, 12 years and we can recruit her. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so there's also a project that you and your wife work on that's yes. very near and dear to your hearts. You want to, willing to share a little of bit course. about that? Of course. Yeah, yeah. So our, our younger daughter, uh, Maddie, uh, who just turned three, uh, she was born with Down syndrome. And uh, one of the um, ways that we sort of, um, I, I guess, you know, processed the diagnosis and sort of, sort of you, know, um, yeah, you know, came to know Maddie as who she is mm -hmm. was uh, looking at resources in the area. And uh, Adair County and Kirksville have fantastic resources for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. It really, uh, really blew us away. Um, but w one of the few areas, I think, in, in, in which um, we saw maybe a, a chance to, to, to really contribute from the ground up um, uh, is in terms of, uh, you know, books and dolls and, and toys that, that uh, normalize Down syndrome for, for typically developing kids. So this is a long way of saying my wife had a really good idea to start a, a fundraiser called Project Happy, H-A-P-P-I-E, uh, Helping All Preschoolers Play in Inclusive Environments. And this was a, just a few months ago. Uh, she started a GoFundMe page to collect funds to, uh, to purchase dolls with Down syndrome, as well as, you know, little kid books that, that talk mm -hmm. about Down syndrome and sort of, uh, you know, again, normalize it. And uh, yeah, the fundraiser just exploded, took in a lot more funds than we uh, anticipated. And the, the whole point is to, you know, to buy those dolls and books and then to donate them to area preschools. Uh, so we just had a, a, a celebration, uh, a party down for Down syndrome on October 1st. That was just a few days ago. And uh, we're looking to expand, you know, throughout Missouri, basically. And it, it's amazing how how excited these uh, these preschool staff and especially the kids are to, you know to receive these sure. um, and it you know our hope is that there, there's really two goals here it, it helps typically developing kids understand that people with Down syndrome are in most ways just like the rest mm -hmm. of us um, and it also helps create ideally a more inclusive environment for those who do have Down syndrome so that uh, you know they're around uh, other kids who are uh, you know who know a little bit about about the condition and uh, everybody wins is the idea. So if we have people listening to us and they want to get involved, they think it's a super cool idea, which is a totally super cool idea. Are there ways they can help? Absolutely. Involved? Yeah, yeah. So if you go to uh, projecthappy.org, H-A-P-P-I-E.org, um, there are, uh, you know, if, if you're interested in, in donating your time, um, there are ways to do that. There's a contact form on the page. Um, my wife, Sarah, does 98% of the work uh, involved <laughs> with this. I do the website and that's about it. But um we have a, actually, we have a wonderful board as well, and they, they, they do a ton. So, um, yeah, there are numerous ways to get involved, especially if you're in the Kirksville area, and we'd, we'd love to, um, to have your, you know, your, your ideas or your expertise, and I'd, I'd love to ha have you get involved. So, Jonathan, with all of these different parts to you, right, and all the things that you do, what keeps you at Truman? What, what Ooh, keeps you here? Question. Why do you want to stay here? Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I guess the answer to that probably at any excellent organization is the people, you know, both students as well as uh, faculty and staff. Um, in my current position, I work just in terms of like FaceTime a lot more with, with uh, other employees of faculty and staff than I do with students. Actually, wish I had a little bit more 
time with students uh, in my current role, but um, you know, everybody here is in it for the right reasons. Uh, they're here because Agreed. they want to help students learn. They want to create a great college experience, and uh, and the students are here because they they love to learn and they're you know they're excited to make the most of their time here. And so I think that's one of the great things about working in higher ed. You know, you never have to question whether what you're doing is worthwhile or making a difference. Right, um, right. That's that's taken care of. So I, that that's why I'm excited to get up in the morning and come here. Well, we are super excited that you get up in the morning and come here. <laughs> now, you know, this is tea time, right? Right. So I've always had to pull something out of the teapot. So you get to do the exact same thing. Okay. So reach in there okay. and grab something. All right. Here we go. I've got something. So do I ask you? Uh, no, this is yours, man. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. All right. All right. I love this. Yeah, let's see what awaits me here. Okay. <clears throat> What's your favorite holiday? Hmm. My favorite holiday is Halloween, actually. Okay, do tell. Yeah, I, I wish I had like a really great story to back that up. I don't know. I just have all these fond memories of, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, trick-or-treating in the neighborhood. Um, uh, I have a bit of a sweet tooth, so uh, maybe it has Amen. something to do with that. But <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, I don't know. When you were a kid, did you ever have like the house that gave out the full size candy bars? Yes. Yeah. And they always checked to make sure nobody came back twice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're gonna give out the full size candy bars. You got to have a system in place. But yeah, I just have fond memories of this one house in our neighborhood. You know, growing up in Michigan, yeah, 30 years ago. That yeah, if you had to get there early in the night because they closed up shop at like nine. But yeah, you could get like full size Snickers. It was the best thing ever. So. So do you use a pillowcase, a bag, a pumpkin? Uh, usually a pillowcase. Yeah, you know, a bag. You, they you, don't break. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You can't be risking uh, something like that on Halloween. Yeah, but when you're my size and you're eight years old and you're my size, a pillowcase is really hard to drag around by yeah, the end of the night. I guess so. <laughs> Favorite costume? Um, I once went, uh, <laughs> once went as a seasick vampire, which is uh, reverse okay. engineering. So uh, <laughs> uh, there was some kind of family emergency. I remember my sister got really sick or something. And so my mom, who my whole childhood was super into, you know, making really ornate costumes, you know, we always looked, you know, looked great. Right. Something prevented her that year from, you know, from going out to the, the costume shop. So we had green face paint and we had vampire fangs in the house. And so she's like, all right, we're painting your face green. Here are some fangs. I don't know what you are, but you're some kind of monster. We decided it was seasick vampire. So you had to explain that to people? Yes, I did, about 100 times. And did yes. they buy it? <laughs> they seemed to. They gave me the candy, and uh, <laughs> at that time, that was all I was interested in. So I guess it worked out. So in Michigan, did you have to tell jokes at Halloween? I grew up in Pennsylvania. We didn't have to do that. But in St. Louis, it's a very big thing that you're supposed to tell a joke. We did not in Michigan have to do that, and I have heard that it's a thing here too. But I we moved here right, you know, I was in eighth grade, was sort of aging out of it. So, but it seems like a nice tradition, you know, make the have the kid have some skin in the game, right? Right. So you want to hear my kids' favorite one when they were little? Yes. Why do witches wear name tags? I have no idea. So you know which witch is which. Oh, very nice. Brilliant. Very huh? nice. Yeah. <laughs> They were destined to be intellectuals. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you go by a linguistics professor's yeah. house, you're going to get two candy bars for that one. <laughs> so plans for this Halloween? Uh, I think uh, we're going to be taking Anna and Elsa from Frozen uh, out trick-or-treating. I think that's what we've settled on as a family. 
as a family. I mean, I think that's what our almost six-year-old has decided. <laughs> she takes <laughs> exactly. the call on that pretty much. <laughs> well, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I hope you have a fabulous time. Thanks for playing and pulling from the teapot. And thanks for being my first guest. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite, Dr. Thomas. And uh, I look forward to watching future episodes. Yeah, one of these days I'll get you call have you call me Sue. Okay. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> thanks. You know, Jonathan, really, truly, we are so glad you are here. And thanks for doing such co super cool things with our students, right? The work that you do helps keep them here, helps keep them successful, and really launches them off to amazing things. So... Thank well, you. Thank you for being a really important part of that. You're super welcome, but uh, I, I feel like the most I do is coordinate the excellent work of other people. So I'm, I'm happy to be in a position to do that, and I appreciate the support and the opportunity. So uh, yeah, keep at it. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Tea Time with Sue. Subscribe to the podcast to stay in the know for when new episodes are released. Do you know someone in the Truman community that is making a difference? Guest for Tea Time with Sue can be nominated at truman.edu slash tea time.